Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. listening live to kings of non sequitur the off-season version of in much less detail the podcast here at you live on a tuesday night june the 20th 2017 i'm dre he's jay lots to get into lots to discuss since our last show lots of things happening in and out of sports it seemed like we had a, a stretch there of a couple of weeks where every day you turn around something big was happening in the world Boom over here, boom over there, boom in England, boom in the United States, boom everywhere you look. Something crazy was happening. And just a lot of stuff to get into. Uh, we can start in sports, out of sports. We can start personal. I know Jay uh, took his family uh, on a camping trip recently, and I've still got a couple stories about my – looks like it's going to be a summer of drama uh, scoring these games for the Memphis Redbirds down here. Uh, so – Jay, how you been doing? What's been going on? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, we got we of course have to start the show with a shout out to all the folks listening in Burkina Faso. So, our peeps. keep keep our keep those numbers strong. I, I did a little investigation uh, on Burkina Faso, and have come to the realization that this is the part of the world that all think that the Buffalo Bills won four straight Super Bowls. Was oh, that all, where all the bad clothing goes? Yeah, yeah, this is, yeah. So, so you've got a lot of you've got a lot of Buffalo Bills fans, um, probably coming over from Burkina Faso. The undefeated so. Patriots shirts, uh, the seventeen, the twenty and that's 0 right. Patriots that's, t-shirts are down there. <laughs> that's right. So that that that's that part of the world. Yes, yeah, Central, uh, you know, inland Africa, uh, we'll call it. So, not quite on the coast, but uh, yeah. Not not the world's largest country. Still stunned on the fact that that registered at all on our list of places throughout the world that listen to our show. And Australia. The 1994 NBA champion New York Knicks in the house. Um, yeah, Australia uh, got a lot of our uh, listenership as well. The, I think that's yeah. pretty much the, the – England is the biggest listeners outside of America, and then Australia is right behind them. So uh, – Tally-ho and G'day mate and, and all that good stuff to all of our worldwide listeners, whoever you are. Yeah. Good to know that there's a place in the world where the Falcons won the Super Bowl. <laughs> and the clothing to match. That's uh, right. If you want to get in contact with this show, whether you're in or out of America, there's plenty of ways to do it. You can always uh, hit us up on Twitter. I am at IMLD Dre. Jason is at IMLDJTG. You can always shoot us an email. You would send that to inmuchlessdetail at gmail.com. You can always shoot us a message on our blog. That site is inmuchlessdetail.blogspot.com. 
And there's always plenty of ways to listen to our show. If you're listening live, thank you very much. If you are, the website to listen to us when we are live is blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail. And to listen to our show, not live as a podcast, where we have this hour-long live show that we're doing right now and an hour-long after show after that is over, you can always come back here to the live show page in a couple of hours and the whole show will be ready for you. Or you can subscribe on your Apple device. Just search for in much less detail to podcast on iTunes. Or you can use your Android device to subscribe on many different podcast apps, including player.fm, including Blueberry, uh, including our lovely TuneIn mobile app and Mixcloud as well. Uh, lots of ways to listen, lots of ways to get in touch. And if you want to call in live and let your voice be heard right now, the phone number is area code 646-595-4534. That's whether you're in Burkina Faso or Australia or England or right here in the good old U.S. of A. Yeah, I don't know what to say to, you know, we, we, we can we can do all the dialect stuff for Australia and England. I have no idea what to say to somebody who's listening over over in Africa, in Burkina Faso. So I, I, I'm saying we start sports considering that this is a sports show. Ostensibly. Usually. Most of the time. Allegedly. Might as well start. To, allegedly. We might as well start down that. Go down that path. Um, you, you titled the show about <laughs> basketball, so we might as well talk about basketball. And I actually feel somewhat knowledgeable on this, considering that the NBA Finals consisted of the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth game of basketball I watched this year. <laughs> you watched the NBA Finals. I watched See, here's the end. Well, I've come to the realization that that's all you need to watch in the NBA because the rest of it's meaningless now. That's the thing that when people scream and yell about, oh my God, we've got these super teams and we got the two teams that everyone knew was going to be in the finals, making the entire regular season meaningless. This is terrible. This is horrible. This is bad for the sport. And my response is you're a perfect example of what my response would be, which is no, it's not bad for the sport because people want to watch the best teams. People want to watch the best of the best. They got someone like you who is at best a casual NBA fan they got you to watch. When's the last time you watched some of the NBA finals? So this super team thing that everyone is pulling their hair out and screaming about, I tell you, I, I, the numbers bear it out. The ratings are astronomical. People want to see the best play the best. Yes, the, regu the regular season was a waste. Yes, it was awful to watch for those of us who watched some of the regular season. Yes, it was completely perfunctory. Yes, we all knew who was going to be in the finals. But when the finals got here... Everybody watched because that's what they wanted to watch. It was a six-month buildup to the finals that everyone knew was coming, and it might happen again next year, and it might happen again the year after that. Uh, but my point is you're a perfect example of why the people who say it's bad for basketball, they're, they're just wrong. It's good for basketball. It's great for basketball to have the best playing the best because everybody wants to see that. I'm really torn on this one. The, the, there's there's this sort of devil, devil's advocate thing going. I've got the good demon and the bad demon sitting on uh, both of my shoulders right now trying to talk to me through this because I, I see both sides, and I truly do understand the, okay, yes, it's great that 
the two best teams have ended up in the finals and it's basically LeBron's going to win the East or whatever conference most likely that he's in every year, unless it's, well, if he was in the West, it wouldn't, he wouldn't be in the finals because the Warriors were not going to be denied this year. So LeBron's over in the weaker conference. He's going to get some team of guys over into the finals every year. And Golden State is just a monster. From a standpoint of watching a compelling finals and the two best teams in each conference going at it, absolutely, I agree. It even, you know, I watch, I tend to watch the finals, though I don't usually sit out the finals. So it wasn't that it was these two teams that made me watch. Um, I do usually watch the NBA finals, but this year I, you know, I made it a point that I watched every game. Um, I hadn't watched really any of the run up. Uh, I can't say that I didn't see any of it because, you know, I'd be I'd be at work and it'd be on or I'd come home and I'd catch it for a few minutes and then I'd switch to something else. Um, but there was really nothing that held me in there. Those games, they held me in there because, one, it's the end of the season. And two, it was it was the best talent that was out there. The bad side of it is, though, is that it's the same all the time. The, the, the competition is is generally weak. I mean, you had the Warriors lost one game in the entire postseason. So their run, they almost swept through that whole thing other than Cleveland just deciding to stand up for themselves for one game and Mm -hmm. and basically play the best possible game of basketball for 48 minutes that they could possibly play. And they still didn't exactly like blow them out. I mean, they had it took that they had to basically have almost a 50 point first quarter and they were, you know, you get a team that scores 49 in the first quarter and there's, they're only up by like 12 at the end of the first, you'd you'd think that that would be 49, 14 or something with that many possessions and that many balls falling in. And the Warriors were just right there. Um, So, and then, yeah. And what golden state did was just unbelievable. I mean, you could see, I I hated to say it, but I could tell at halftime of the first game that the series was over because Cleveland played a nearly flawless first half. I mean, offensively, they were turning the ball over, but they were putting the, they were scoring so many points and you could see that their offense was in such a rhythm and they went into halftime, I think down eight. You know, right. and you could just, and they were, it was like, it did not matter what they were throwing at Golden State. Golden State just kept right on rolling. And, you know, Kevin Durant had completely taken over that game. And you're used to watching Golden State and thinking that they need Curry and Clay Thompson to be just raining the threes. And that's how they win. You know, it was sort of live by the three, die by the three. And now all of a sudden they have this major inside outside presence with Durant who's raining threes and running through the lane. You know, at one point I'm driving home listening to it on the radio. Cause a couple of times I had to listen to the first quarter on the radio and then, you know, and, and at some point Kevin Durant basically, and I saw the replay just split the whole defense, like the whole defense parted for him, like the red sea, you know? Yeah. That's, that was some bad defense in that first game and, of Cavs. Like they didn't Durant know what to guard. Him. Yeah, they just let's, let's guard the three point line, even though they don't have the ball, and just watch Kevin Durant run down the, the lane and then yeah. with nobody around him and dunk the ball. And UB Brown said something to the effect of, There's a freeway to the basket, and <laughs> Kevin Durant's the only one on it. Yeah. And that gave me like. a very, 
And that gave me a mental image of what the play looked like. And then when I saw the replay, I was like, yep, that looks like yeah. a freeway to the basket. And Kevin Durant's the only one on it. So, so UB Brown, kudos to you for painting a picture with words. Um, so, yeah. Th- so you have that added element of Kevin Durant on that team. And then also compliment, you know, Durant sort of complimented Draymond Green. And, it, yeah, how do you, you can't. There nobody was going to beat that team. Um, I had come to the realization that when it was when it was three zero, and then the Cavs won that fourth game, and I, I had it already planted in my mind that if the Cavs come back and win this, it's fixed. That's how bad I knew <laughs> their chances were against Golden State. They 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 didn't have a chance, and that was the two best teams in basketball. So that tells you even more about Golden State, I think, than it does Cleveland. But then more to your point. Um, when you titled our show "Basketball Is Broken," uh, tells you a lot about the rest of the league. That, that, that there's there's some in there's some introspection that's going to have to go on in in, in the league uh, and these teams. And you see it right away now. You've got all you know. You've got you've got Indiana already trying to figure out the best way to get rid of Paul George because if they can't get something for him now, he's just going to walk next year. So we, we need to placate the superstar and let him go where he wants to go. And this is what it's become now in the league. I, I asked, uh, can I get somebody in, to, <laughs> I asked for voices to be heard and somebody has called in uh, area code 404 uh, with a very familiar sounding voice. Go ahead. You're on the air. Yeah, how y'all doing, man? Very good. Uh, what's your name and uh, where are you calling from? Yeah, this is Naj. I'm in Atlanta. All right, Naj. I said a familiar voice. You sounded like a friend of mine, but uh, go ahead, Naj. What's on your mind? Yeah, well, I disagree with with the premise. Sorry, I got some weather issues down here. It's like raining, thundering, snowing, hailing, everything else down in Atlanta, man. Don't visit right now. All right, but uh, (laughs) but uh, yeah, I, I got. I disagree with the premise, man. This is the way the NBA has always been. It's always been about monopolies. Uh, kind of getting the best talent and then that talent kind of winning out. It's just we saw it to the extreme because KD, he went further than LeBron did as far as in the process. He said, okay, you you want to set your team up, go somewhere, build something. I'll go to an already made team and add, you know, an MVP uh, to a 73-win team. So, of course, nobody was beating them. But it's an arms race, so now everybody else has to step up and somebody else is going to merge out of this because they're going to figure out a way to – uh, create a team that's going to, you know, make it a little more difficult. Plus, you know, you got injuries, egos, and everything else. So this won't stand as it is, as we always, you know, it, look, we've watched this throughout our whole lives as far as the NBA. Well, you've seen the young Kevin Durant, young Harden, and Westbrook together. And you say, oh, man, these guys should win five championships before they're done playing in OKC. And you're like, man, it never, it never pans out that way. So, you know, Golden State, that's an all-time great team uh, that they put together. And when, when people bring this up, I always ask them, if Akeem Olajuwon, who was the second best player during uh, the second Jordan uh, three-peat, if he goes to the Utah Jazz, do you think the Bulls three-peat during that period? <laughs> it's like, no, man. You know, it's the concentration of talent in the NBA is a finite thing, man. There's only so many great players. So it's really difficult to build. And honestly, I, I, I would prefer that if a, if a guy wants to leave uh, some franchise that he let them know so they can get access back instead of just somebody walking away and then that team is just, you know, 
hoping for the lotto again. No, get your assets back, hire competent people, don't trade away people for nothing and end up in, you know, constant rebuilding mode, but, you know, get good assets and keep building. I, I think that's what it's about. But, yeah, I didn't think they had a chance either in that finals, man. I made a nice little amount of money from people who just said, well, it's LeBron. He, he's just going to win. Like, man, <laughs> it don't work like that. <laughs> you don't get to just win because you want to. This was a different animal, though. This was not uh, your everyday team. This was two of the top five players in the league uh, combining forces and having a couple of other guys that are probably in the top 20 as sort of backup, you know, we haven't seen anything quite like that. Uh, and to your point, mm-hmm. those a, a lot of guys talk about those Jordan Bulls and the, the three-peats. And what, well, Michael Jordan didn't leave. Michael didn't go anywhere. He'd stay where he was drafted, and he had them build a team around him. And my point has always been, yeah, they just happened to build a team around. They just happened to have Jerry Krause put the right team around him. But if he had – if Michael Jordan had the ownership – and the and the general managers that LeBron James had in Cleveland, Jordan would have left his ass too. He would have went to Miami too. They just happened to build the right team around him. It's not LeBron's fault that he didn't have the organization that could build the team around him, and it's not Kevin Durant's fault that he didn't have the organization in Oklahoma to build the right team around him. All these guys leaving and, and building these super teams, you're right. It is not a, a brand new concept. It's relatively new. It kind of started around you know when Boston uh, put together the the three amigos with Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. Uh, And that sort of started everything rolling. But you're absolutely right. It's always been about the talent in the NBA more than anything. If you have the most talent, then you're going to win the most games. And it's not quite like that in other sports. But, yeah, a lot of of these old – And it's just player-driven now. Right. Right. It's just player-driven now. Players are making the choice to go and play together. Before, it was a smart GM who put the pieces together and did it. So, I mean, like I said, there's really no difference. And to the point about uh, people always screaming that the games are fixed, it's like, dude, do you think somebody pays $2 billion like Steve Ballmer did and they sit down in a room and say, hey, man, he gets to win a championship, you don't. It's like, no, these owners are some of the most competitive people in the world. There is no grand fixing in the NBA. Now, if you want to say some point shaving has gone on and some scores have been, uh, you know, kind of inflated or deflated based on late fouls and things like that, uh, I wouldn't disagree with you. But as far as, like, fixing games, uh, Dan Gilbert is not out here uh, to make the Golden State ownership <laughs> more money or happier than he is. He wants to beat them just as bad as the players do. No doubt about it. Keep uh, keep safe in that weather down there, Nige. Thanks for the phone call. Good stuff, man. Indeed, man. Y'all have a good one. All right. Yeah, I, I've been talking about that for, for a long time, Jason, the – all these people that get so mad now with the super teams being put together. If the owners can build the right team around these players, these super players that get drafted into the league, they'll stay with their original teams. But if they put shit around them, what did, again, what did Cleveland put around LeBron James, his first seven years in the league? Who was his best teammate in those seven years? Was it Larry Hughes? Was it Maurice Williams? What was it? Zadrunas Il. They put shit around LeBron James and then watched him leave and go to Miami and, and put a super team together and go to four straight finals down there and win a couple of rings. This is not that difficult. Put a good team around a guy and he's going to stay home and, and try to make it with that team unless he sees a much better opportunity like Kevin Durant did going to uh, Golden State from Oklahoma. Yeah. 
I just, you know, I was jokingly talking to my coworkers um, throughout the finals and especially right after the finals when, you know, it was done and over with and um, you sort of were able to do the postmortem and postmortem of the whole thing. And I was like, well, you know, there's, there's, I was only saying this tongue in cheek, but there's some truth in this. I'm like, you know, there's only one place left for LeBron to go. He's just got to go to Golden State. The super, super team. Yeah, it's just, if LeBron just goes to Golden State, they can win the they can just win the next five titles. Actually, just give them the next five titles, <laughs> and just say, "Okay, guys, here's five rings. Why don't you take the next five years off? We're just going to give you the five rings, and we're going to let everybody else play to see who finishes second. If you think Golden um, State routing Cleveland was ugly to watch, how about Golden State with LeBron routing whoever would come out of the East, like the Celtics or something? How ugly would that be? <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they and they just take on all these like losers. They'd be like when the uh, you know the Cowboys and they, we had all the NFC dominance in the Super Bowls all those years, and it was just it didn't matter who you were going to throw out there. The the, the AFC team was just going to get rolled. Who is it this year? Oh, it's the Chargers. Okay, come on down, guys. You're gonna, oh, hey, here comes John Elway and the Broncos again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're just gonna we're just gonna roll you guys up because we just keep we're just dominant in the sport. Um, yeah, I, I'd like to think that somewhere out there in the NBA, in that in that second tier of teams, unfortunately, after Golden State, it's a big drop into that second tier. But you, I'd like to think that some of those teams are looking at doing the same thing. But it seems to be that this is only happening in the top level. And we're not seeing that accumulation of, of of talent for a team that's trying to make the run, you know, for the crown. I, it's almost become sort of this just preordained, and it's going to be this way, I, I suspect, for the next few years. I don't think Golden State's going anywhere. It's going to take something fairly catastrophic. It's going to take an injury. Um, you, you'd have to say to dock them off. And the trick is with that team, that's they lose a guy. And they're still fine because they they can even their bench is deep, you know. Because every time you you plug in one of these players, you can move a starter to the bench. I mean, Harrison Barnes was a starter last year. Now he's coming off the bench. I mean, they had dudes coming off the bench I'd never heard of just and, and contributing in the finals. A and, lot of people were talking about that. You uh, got Harrison Barnes from last year with the seventy three yeah. win team. And since that wasn't good enough, let's ship him off to Dallas and oh, let's replace him with Kevin Durant. How you like that? How you like how does that how tell me how my ass tastes is basically what that was. That was the Golden State yeah. Warriors version of tell me how my ass tastes. And I, right. I think it worked out pretty well for them. Oh yeah. I mean it was it was I have to say if if Golden State does not blow the three one last year, I'm not sure they get Kevin Durant. I'm not sure. In their minds, think they agree. think that happens, you know. So Cleveland sort of asked for it because <laughs> you know you. I hate to say it, they they got what coming they back had and coming winning that them. damn ring. That's right. We're not just gonna. We're not just coming back to the finals for you guys. We're gonna pretty much embarrass you. We're gonna come back with like the second best player in the league. Take that. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much what they did. It, it was so rare, too, to see a team with the best player, to Naja's point, it's always been about the best player uh, sort of willing his team to the championship in the NBA. 
but it was so rare to see the best player on the floor unable to will his way through an opponent. But that just shows how special the Golden State Warriors were as a team. That was no normal opponent. You just don't see that. That kind of arrangement of talent in their prime at the height of their of their abilities. Now, you remember some of the uh, other attempts at super teams because everyone thinks the super team thing is always successful. We remember some of those that weren't so successful. For those of you that have not been watching the NBA for more than 10 years, like we have, like we've been watching for for 30 years, more than 30 years, um, this is not what the uh, the Rockets tried to do with Scottie Pippen and Charles Barkley and Clyde Drexler. They tried the super team thing two decades ago. It failed miserably because those guys were not in their prime. The Los Angeles Lakers tried a super team thing. They came a little closer. They had Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal in their prime after they won back-to-back championships. And going for the three-peat, they thought they needed a little extra boost, so they decided to add these two other future Hall of Famers in Carl Malone and Gary Payton. And they got all the way to the NBA Finals with that outfit, but the egos blew apart and, and things blew up. The chemistry fell apart and, and they wound up getting swept by the Detroit Pistons who were a much lesser team on paper, but they were actually cohesive and playing with each other instead of trying to sort of one up each other. Uh, so the super team thing didn't really work until again, the Boston Celtics uh, put together a team where Danny Ainge traded for those pieces, Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett. It wasn't like they uh, got together as free agents and said, we're going to go to this team but they did have to approve those trades. So in a way they had their, they had some control over it, but it was still more about the, the general manager. It was still more about the front office trying to put together the super team. So for all these people who don't like this new era of super team, who don't like the free agents getting together with great teams and making them even greater, getting together with superstars and making powerful superstar laden teams, the question I have for those of you who don't like that is why do you hate free agency? What do you have against guys going where they want to go? Because if you don't like the super teams, that means you don't like free agent. That means you want people to be drafted into whatever situation they get drafted into and whatever their talent level is, if they can't make that work with that team that drafted them, you want them to stay there and just be stuck. And I think that sucks. Nobody should want that. You shouldn't want to to watch LeBron James waste his career in in Cleveland, that first generation of Cleveland with Maurice Williams and Zadrunas Ogals, because nobody should want that. It was a great thing when he decided to go to Miami. Everyone had a problem with how he did it with the decision and all that, but the actual move itself was great. It was genius. He went somewhere. He learned how to win. He came back to Cleveland with that knowledge, and he wound up putting another super team together there and bringing home a championship to to Cleveland, to the land. He doesn't get that ring if he doesn't have a chance to leave and go to Miami and play with much better players and learn how to win basketball games and learn how to win titles. I can't believe that people have such a problem with with free agency, with with super teams. Think about the the dynasty teams in, in the past whether it's the, the Yankees, the, the 27 Yankees of the, of the, tw- the 20s and 30s, uh, whether it's the Celtics with Bill Russell and, and those 11 championships that they won, however many they won in, in his era, uh, him and Bob Cousy and all those guys, uh, even the Steelers uh, in the 70s, that, that's right around the time that we were uh, that we were just coming into the world. So I don't remember if free agency was a thing yet 
in the NFL by that time. I, it it might have been like if it was, it was in its infancy. Uh, but if it wasn't, then those are all examples of teams that just happened to get put together by good drafting and had to stick together because they couldn't leave and wound up building building dynasties and winning championships over and over and over again. I think I personally think it's more exciting when those guys get a chance via free agency to go somewhere else and build a legacy of their own instead of always being in the shadow of of that dynasty team. Dynasties are fine. Dynasties are great. But I still would rather have free agency. I, I would rather see if, you know, if Lynn Swan was being offered more money by the, the, the Oakland Raiders and decided to leave via free agency, could he have had the same success and maybe led the Raiders uh, to a, to a championship? I know Oakland won championships back then, but uh, say the Buffalo Bills, maybe, uh, he, he, maybe he goes up there and leads them to a title. I want guys who have the, the opportunity to build their own legacies, to make their own money. I don't begrudge them the money at all. That's another situation about free agency that these guys get paid so much. They get all this, you know, they earn that money because they can do things that you can't. So just shut up. But I, I don't know why people are so against these super teams and you're arguing sort of, like you said, you, you, you can see both sides. You can see how it's exciting to see the best play the best, but it's also a drag. Uh, but I, I, would present to you a, a world in which you didn't have the option to go build a stupid team. You didn't have the option to go where you wanted to go. And LeBron James had to be stuck with Cleveland with the old Cleveland Cavaliers and, and Kevin Durant had to be stuck with Russell Westbrook and they had to be stuck fighting for the basketball for the rest of their careers uh, and all of that. Uh, I, I personally prefer the world of, of free agency to being stuck with your original team. Yeah, and it's not necessarily free agency. Free agency, I don't think, is is the creation here. It's like what like I described what we're seeing where you've got these these smaller market teams that are that, that just have just completely come to the realization that they cannot keep, or just bad teams, it doesn't even have to be a small market team, that they just know we see this in all the sports, but they just you know that you're resigned to this fate of losing. And you're forced to basically get rid of your your best asset <laughs> because eventually you're going to get nothing for that player. And even even though the system in the NBA favors a team a player staying, that's the one thing that people don't talk about. These players who are jumping ship and going to other teams would make more money staying home. Mm-hmm. The system, right? The, the system is in favor of players sticking around if all they're thinking about is money. Once you reach a certain point with a lot of these guys now, it's not about money. It's about rings. Because if you make $18 million or you make $18 million, is is $15 million in a ring better than $18 million? You ask any of these guys, they're all going to go, yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd take a few less million to get the ring or, or many rings. Um, I think we see this is a creation more in basketball, I think, than the other sport because you've got you know, individual talent shines through more in basketball because you've only got 12-man rosters and five guys out on the floor at any given time. And an individual player can take over a basketball court more than you can in a, on a baseball diamond or in a football game. You know, and we you give LeBron we the ball every single play. Yeah, 
Pretty much. There were points during the, 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 the finals where LeBron would decided, I'm just going to take over. And you'd be watching him do, you know, backing dudes down and getting into the post. And, you know, and, and nobody can D him up. They were trying. Mm-hmm. But you see that he's clearly the best player on the floor, no matter what side you're looking at. And he could just take over the game anytime he wanted to. And there's got to be a frustration for people who are big LeBron fans just wondering, it's like, why don't you just do that all the time? And I understand that frustration. But in basketball, like I said, in football, we roundly mock the teams that try to do the super team thing because it never works. It does not work in football. We, we have laughed can't so take over like many that. times. Yeah, it, we've laughed so many times at these teams where we've seen the, the big free agent moves. Uh, we, we laughed at the Eagles uh, many moons ago when they tried to do that. And basically, just this was back in the blog days. And I was just like, yeah, they're not going to do anything. You see the Giants, <laughs> they're throwing like $180 million on day one of free agency. And we're like, yep, not going to work. You you can see it more in football because you're Red dealing with – Oh, yeah. It's 11 on 11. It's 53-man rosters. You can spend all the money you want, especially in a violent game where people are getting hurt all the time. Nobody's ever playing at 100%. You, it's just, you cannot buy your way to titles. Now, in, in baseball, we, we saw that. Uh, everybody was always complaining about the Yankees buying their ways to the titles, but people don't forget that the Yankees were adding pieces to an already, you know, established outstanding core group of players, which is why I don't look at the Warriors as a team that bought a title. I look at the Warriors more like I think of those Yankees teams back in the early two thousands, because you had that established core talent that then they just went and bought a piece and added to it. You know, they yeah, did they didn't is, take uh, they they didn't do the LeBron thing where there's like three guys like LeBron and Wade and Bosch are all we're all gonna go to Miami or we're gonna do this and we're gonna put together the super team. The Warriors were almost a super team already. <laughs> Mostly put together already. I mean, they should have been three time champions had they not fallen apart last year. They should have had the three peat. Oh, I gotta send someone a check now, don't I? Um <laughs> Pat O'Reilly's yeah. listening. Oh man. Um, so that's why I, I you know, so people are gonna complain about this with the whole super team thing, but I, I don't really consider the Warriors a super team in the way that we think of super teams. Right. Does, if that this makes sense. The, no, it does because this is the part where I have to now swallow very hard and give praise and credit to the Golden State Warriors. Get a brown. Yeah, I mean, this is the laughing stock of our you, right? I mean, come on, the Warriors, right? Loser, perennial losers for many years. But this particular team, I am on record on the show a couple three years ago. I, I said it this team is nothing if their shots don't fall, they have nothing to offer if their shots aren't going in. And they said, Oh, yeah, and won a title back then, three years ago, and shocked the hell out of me. Came back the next year, won 73 games, broke all sorts of records, 
uh, only nine losses for the regular season. Okay, here's how we're doing. If the shots aren't falling, we'll still find a way. Uh, and, and the 3-1 lead in the finals that got destroyed by LeBron James because he's still the greatest player on the planet. There's pretty much no other player that playing today that could have mounted that 3-1 comeback. Maybe no other player in the history of the game that may have been able to do that. But that's not necessarily Golden State's fault. The Golden State Warriors are put together primarily through the draft, primarily through taking chances on guys that other teams passed on. And that's why I have to give them props and give them praise because Klay Thompson wasn't thought of that. that No one thought he was going to be one of the all-time accurate three-point shooters. No one thought Draymond Green was going to be this impactful of an all-around player when he got drafted in the second round. And of course, as we've talked about many times, no one thought Steph Curry was going to amount to two-time MVP, first-ever unanimous MVP, one of the great shooters of all time, maybe the greatest shooter of all time. If anyone thought he was capable of that, he would have got drafted a lot earlier than he did. The Warriors are the teams are the team that took the chances on those guys and put that core together and allowed Kevin Durant to step in with all of his talent and, and make that team something like we've quite frankly never seen before. So I have to give the Warriors the credit. They made the shots fall when they had to, and even when they their, their shooters were going a little cold, that's when they gave it to Kevin Durant and said, okay, big fella, you take over now. And he made everything fall, whether it was a dunk or a shot or a layup or what have you, because that's how damn good he is. Uh, I don't know who the hell's going to beat them in the near future, uh, but I got I can't give any uh, – I can't take anything away from the Warriors as much as I want to. I have to give them all the credit. I still remember that playoff game against the Grizzlies, uh, game six of the Western Conference Finals three years ago, before they ever won a title, before the concept of the Warriors having rings was just still a laughing stock to us. And I get there to the arena uh, down here to FedEx Forum, and I'm watching Clay Thompson and Stephen Curry get on opposite corners of the same basket in warmups and start jacking threes in the corner. And they were all not just going in, they were all complete swish, no rim, just swish, 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 swish. And I'm like, oh shit. I came to the to the Grizzlies funeral tonight because there's no chance in hell they're going to beat this team. So I, when the shots don't fall, I still sometimes feel like, why? Yeah, I can see a, a way to beat this team if they're if you just get up on them and make them make their shots so difficult that they can't hit them. And that's just easier said than done. There's very few teams that can do that. Uh, but yeah, the Warriors did it with drafting guys primarily. Uh, and adding Kevin Durant later on. But remember, they won that first title with guys they drafted. That wasn't about free agency. That wasn't about super team or anything like that. That was about playing a style of basketball that nobody would play, w- w- was able to play. And this year, they just they kicked that up to, to they put it to 11. That This goes to 11. Uh, the, the style that they play. LeBron James's tongue was dragging. And all the other guys are even worse than, than him because they don't have the camera on J.R. Smith all the time. They don't have a camera on Tristan Thompson and Amon Shumpert and Kevin Love and all those guys. But I'm sure they were dragging just as much. But LeBron James looked like, man, this is just, oh. He looks so worn out at the end of these games trying to run up and down the court with the Warriors the way they play basketball. Uh, And, you know, what are you going to do? There's really nothing you can do about it. And that's why you have to give the props to the Warriors for doing what they did. Yeah, what was impressive was that in stretches – you would see 
the shots not fallen for Golden State. They would look. I mean, there were there were some real hurried stretches um, in, at times, especially in games four and five, where you could see that Cleveland was was playing some defense. What finally uh, that was not their strong suit, but then they played a little bit and got. Golden State out of their rhythm, you'd see a lot of forced shots, a lot of you know, tr- a lot of fast transition going the other way, and allowing Cleveland to get into a rhythm. But the th- weird thing about Golden State is you're sitting there and you're watching this team, and you you know you're just waiting for that twenty to two run. You know it's coming because as as cold as they can get, they can flip it around and go just as hot. And that's what makes them so hard to beat, and, you know, and especially that they can now go inside, outside. It's not just outside with that team anymore. They've truly got the combination. They've, they've got the key, and they've figured it out, and they know what they're doing, and, you, and, and it's not an ego thing. It wasn't, you know, I don't have a feeling that any of those guys that are jacking up the threes are sitting there today going, oh, man, you know, what was Durant doing getting the MVP? That should have been me. I have a, you know, it wasn't like that. And I don't get the sense like that because they're all just sitting there with their rings and and enjoying what they have. Um, and, yeah, you didn't really get that sense of, of ego getting in the way, even though it's a team just chock full of superstars. Well, bless you. The- uh, thank you. That was, that was a throat clearing. Um, oh, and, okay. I, and I thought I no, I thought I hit the mute button when I did that too, and I apparently I missed. Um, I, I shot an air ball there. The uh, the Cavaliers uh, had a nice rational response to losing uh, the championship this year, um, keeping everything together and just staying steady, staying the course, and, and saying we're going to come back and get them next year. Uh, wait, I'm I'm sorry, I, I read that wrong. Uh, they fired everybody in the front office. They blew the entire front office out the door, and uh, and they're they're rumored to be looking at Chauncey Billups to take over the front office and and become the new GM. Uh, Chauncey Billups and his zero uh, front office experience. So uh, I don't know exactly how that's going to work out, but all I know is I bet you the Cavs are back in the finals again next year because they still have fucking LeBron James. And he's still kind of good, even though he's getting a little older and was getting a little winded at certain times. He still became the first man to have a triple-double in an NBA Finals. He still has gone to seven NBA Finals in a row. I think he'll make it eight. Um, I'd love to make the joke about this is what he was talking about. Not five, not six, not seven. I I know he wasn't talking about making NBA Finals. I know he was talking about winning rings, but... The fact that no one else can say not five, not six, not seven times to the finals in a row, and he can, I think, says a lot about uh, the kind of player that he is, despite all the, the hate that he still gets from everybody. Um, I, I don't know what kind of pieces they're going to add around him, but things are going to change. New pieces will be added, and LeBron James, I bet you, will still will, will be once again back in the NBA Finals uh, next season. I'm just really glad that this is not an NBA focused show because could you imagine <laughs> our season preview show? All Warriors right, and Cavs, everyone tonight. Okay. Who's going to win the, the, the Central Division? Yeah. Who's going to come in third and fourth? And oh, God. No. <laughs> yeah. 
Notice All that right. folks who we listen got to the Atlantic show, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. Folks who listen to this show know that we we will do that with baseball and we do that with football because this is primarily a football show. But we do not do a basketball season preview in these last few years, and especially <laughs> in this year coming up. There's no reason. There's nobody else making the move. You know, they're they're making this big deal about the draft. Oh my God! All the talk because Boston and was it Philadelphia or whatever it was uh, made the trade, and they're they're swapping. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? It's going to be the Cavs and the Warriors. Just just don't. Nobody else even needs to show up next June. Let's just tip it off. You guys each get a year to prepare, and we'll play it again. Because I have a feeling, like I said, unless LeBron blows out an ACL or something bad. I mean, look at last year. I mean, Kyrie Irving was hurt, and they they still did it. That's right. And there were moments. I, before, you know, that's the that's that's the, the year other that. thing is. Yeah, the, yeah, the year before the that. Year before that, with Kevin Love completely out because uh, Kelly Olynyk tore his arm off. Uh, Kyrie Irving gets hurt in the first game of the finals and yeah. LeBron James and bums are still leading the Warriors two games to one at one point in, in the finals a couple of years ago. LeBron James and Matthew Delavadova are still leading the finals. Oh. Yeah, he's pretty good. <laughs> LeBron yeah. can take pretty much anyone uh, uh, to, to pretty much any height. It took this super Warriors team to, to make sure he didn't win another uh, title for Cleveland because if they don't get Durant, LeBron probably wins it again. Yeah, and this is now going to become sort of like the nemesis of LeBron is this Golden State team. This is not an old team. Right. This Golden State team isn't going anywhere. I don't get the sense that you've got a lot of guys who are thinking about jumping ship. That's the, that's part of that ego thing. I don't sense anybody on that team who's like, you know, I'm going to go – to Vancouver, and I'm going to turn them around. Although, isn't that Memphis now? That just that's yeah. right. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah, I'm trying to no, think I of didn't... like you know, where's a shitty place that you can go in basketball? You, I'm not going oh, to Charlotte. Right, there's so many outposts that never seem uh, to get yeah. any better. I'm not, like going, Sacramento I'm not going New to Orleans. Washington. I, I don't have to go be the man somewhere. I can just keep cashing in and getting rings. I don't see this team blowing itself apart. I don't see the GM going, you know, organizations win championships. <laughs> I got to, I'm smarter than these. No, I have a sense that this is four or five or six more years of relevancy because all those guys, I mean, Durant's not the youngest guy, but he's not old. You know, this is not going to fall apart. This isn't going anywhere. And you and you know, and, and, and especially if they're as smart as they've been in the run-up to this, if they're losing those 7 to 12 level guys and just making them a little bit better, or those guys that are in that level improve. And we start to see more of them. Like I said, there were guys that were coming off of the bench. It, I'm not a Golden State fan, so I don't know if maybe these guys played a lot of impactful minutes during the season, but I was impressed by their bench bums. It wasn't like they went to their second unit and Cleveland started blowing them away. 
No, that's true. They they kept the the, the game plan going. They kept running. They yeah. kept the the tempo going, which was I think the biggest piece of the of the bench. The biggest impact of the bench for uh, for the Warriors was that they managed to keep a, a decent level of basketball going while still keeping yeah. the tempo up and still wearing it, LeBron James and Richard Jefferson and all those guys out eventually uh, by the end of the game. That that's the big key for for the Warriors. It's all about the the style of play. Uh, if Steve Kerr and the coaching staff can keep the Warriors' egos in check and keep them all happy and sharing the ball and, and not letting uh, anybody shine brighter than the other uh, and not letting any hard feelings fester because of that, if they can just keep this style going and keep everybody on the same page, hell yeah, they're still going to be formidable year after year after year because who's going to hang with this team? Running and gunning the way they do, who can possibly hang with them? I don't. I don't know if anyone can. No. And and do you think LeBron, even though he's not the, even though this this person's not the best player by any means on the Golden State Warriors or even in the league or even thought of that way, do you think LeBron's just sick and tired of Andre Iguodala? Because that seems <laughs> to be the only guy that gives him some fits. Yeah, he might be a little irritated by him. I, I think uh, Draymond Green envisions himself as the guy that gives LeBron fits when it's actually, as you said, Iguodala that that D's up LeBron, at least comes close to yeah. D'ing up LeBron. And even he got uh, posterized a couple of times by LeBron when he yeah. finally got a chance to raise up and throw some some stuff down in guys' faces. He still did it. You, you yeah. really can't hold him down. But, yeah, Iguodala does do a, a decent yeah. job of hanging with him. And forgive me if I'm wrong, but didn't Iguodala parlay that into MVP of the first Warriors title? We now present our finals MVP, yeah. the guy who kind of held down LeBron. <laughs> I, I believe I'm ready. That's pretty much it, yeah. Yeah. They gave him the MVP for playing just a little bit of defense on LeBron James. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, and LeBron will still be back. I'm telling you, he, he's not done. He's 32 fucking years old and still playing like that. He's not done yet. He's, he's yeah, not I, done I, by a long shot. I don't want to go. I don't want to go baseball here for an analogy too much on basketball. But do you think because we're making fun of the last outposts of the NBA. Is the NBA ripe for contraction? Ooh. That's, uh, I don't think that's a question that a lot of people have considered, but some of those bottom-feeding teams that seem like they're never going to get any better. I I haven't thought about it at all, but as you bring it up, Jay, I I, I wouldn't mind seeing the Sacramento Kings thrown away. I don't need to ever see them play again. Yeah. I, I, I'm wondering if there's just a dilution in the talent pool because the bottom two-thirds of the NBA have become the D-League, basically. And, you know, that's the, develop, the developmental league, which means that the bottom two-thirds are really just the feeder to the better teams. So you can get drafted into one of these horrible teams, make yourself into a superstar. Don't you worry. Eventually, you'll make it to the big time, but it won't be on the team that you started on. It, it's the D-League. It's the minor leagues. It's, it's triple A, but in the pros. 
you'd almost think that you lose 24 players in you, know, you jettison off a couple of teams and don't you make the overall talent a little bit better see in baseball it was a money problem when they tried to get rid of the twins in the expos they thought it was somehow hurting oh you, you know still there it, the teams weren't making money and they just needed to get rid of them. And then the fans rebelled against that. And the twins got Jason to keep their team. They got a shiny new ballpark. And the Jason, if you can hear me, left. you are not being heard And, right and went now. to Washington. But I could see basketball. Uh, I've been thinking about this a lot since the finals. So I, I'm glad I threw you a curveball. I gave you, I actually it's added funny, something uh, a little heady to the show it here. It brings up contraction. Uh, um, I've been thinking. I wasn't that thinking about contraction during the show, but it that did would work float in my mind. For the NBA, if they you know one way want to raise the level of play, if they want to near the Warriors level, maybe and, and quiet some of these people who are their, complaining the title about with a real chance teams. of winning. If because I still think it's going to be Warriors next year again. Maybe, I, but I don't think a better product. The Cavaliers have a chance of beating the Warriors. That I, I think they have as much chance as they had this year, which was not very good. You know, one way he, they could have an actual chance of beating the Warriors is if somehow LeBron can get Anthony Hello? Davis out of New Orleans and get him on the Cavaliers. Speaking of contracting teams. I, I, Hello. Are we back? Are we back? We are now back with one with that half was a minute. Fun. To go. <laughs> well, that's good because dropped. I'll tell you what. Yeah, I'll, I was sitting here. I was talking. I was making a well thought out point, and I thought I was, you know, and I, I'm feeling. It, and all of a sudden, you didn't respond, and I'm thinking, oh no. Well, welcome back, so, folks, and we'll see you on the other side of this of this break. after show as you were saying well what was really interesting there was i'm I'm texting you and i basically you know because we know what happens is that once that gets to the after show i can't get back in right so i made it back in by 27 seconds which is <laughs> astounding it, it and it's only because i was still dialing i was still trying to dial in and it, it was it was telling it was giving me a busy signal. It was giving me the old school busy signal that we remember from yep. the '80s. And I'm thinking, oh shit! <laughs> I could not believe it. Yeah, the the entire show just dropped, and I have no idea why or what I was saying or what you were saying that got cut off. Uh, but yeah, the the whole thing just dropped, and we are we are back in. And I think we're recording now, but I really can't tell you for sure. We have no idea, um, though. So we could just be talking no to each idea. other. But that's really much all the show is anyways, is us talking to each other. That's true. Um, but I'll tell you, just in case, um, I'm, I've got my phone on uh, on the show, on, on hold here. If I do drop, do not hang up. I will jump on uh, on the phone and put myself up that way and, and, and keep the show going ah. in, in that manner. Well, no, Unless it disconnected me drops. too. So I, I don't yeah, whole think it was just you, right? Yeah, I I was sitting here and I was when I went back because I was talking and I was like, oh, oh crap! I went back to the the connecting connection page because if it shows that I'm still on the call, I know that I'm talking to our audience by myself. But all of a sudden, the call button for me was lit up, so I wasn't talking to anybody. I don't know for right. how long I was going on there for a little bit, so I wasn't sure how much. You caught, okay. but 
So you so you didn't hear me, obviously, because I heard you drop in my earphones and I said, Hello, Jason. If you can hear me, no one oh. can hear you right now because you just dropped. And apparently yeah. the fact of the matter was I had dropped too and I just didn't know it. So I, yeah, I so went for on all, for and, like, and I was texting you to say that our show page, you couldn't even get to our show page. So I have a feeling that that may have been um, a blog talk radio issue. Yeah. Yeah. One of those things. But hey, we made it back for, for the after show. We did. For, for however long that stays live. Uh, so yeah, where uh, where were you and your points? And then I'll get to what I was uh, talking about, I guess. All I was making was the argument for contraction. And I and I had caught you right. a little off guard there. Yeah. And I was responding, which I don't know how much of this made the show, but I said, I don't know about contraction, but one thing that came up in my head as I was talking during the show about the, the, the series and how can, you know, how can LeBron fortify himself and get his team back to not just back to the finals, but to a competing part uh, of the finals. Cause I still think the Cavs will make it back to the finals next year. I just don't know if they'll be able to compete with the Warriors. I think they might be as much of an underdog as they were this year, but I did think of one way LeBron could make it back and actually be competitive. If he can find a way to get in, uh, 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 God, now now his brain uh now his name is uh escaping my brain. Uh Davis from New Orleans, Anthony Davis. If we can oh, find yeah. a way to finagle him <laughs> and get him on the Cavaliers, then they'll be competing for for a championship. But uh yeah, that that's a team that could be contracted and I wouldn't mind at all as uh, the Pelicans. I don't ever need to see the Kings again. Uh the the Hornets don't do anything for me. I I'm not completely against the idea of, of contraction. It's not something I had thought about, but uh, I, I don't think I would be too disappointed with it. Yeah, it's got to be a de- really depressing feeling to be a fan of one of these te- or of the other 20-some teams, <laughs> just in general. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's funny, the, the Grizzlies down here in Memphis, that's a, uh, another example of a team that they tried so hard to to compete and contend. Obviously, they never made an NBA Finals, but they were sitting there up 2-1 on the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals and playing a style of basketball that just is not any anything anyone would want to see, but it was the way that they could compete. That was how they were best effective, was mucking it up and gritting and grinding and, and beating you up in the paint and all that stuff. But they got as far as they could get with that style. Cause honestly, there's only so far you can go without guys that can actually score and shoot threes and put the ball in the basket when they need to. So the, the Grizzlies are a good example of, of they, they pass themselves off as a high caliber NBA team as a contending team, but they can't win. They can't actually win the title. No, no. Well, 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 well. What, what, what else? What else? We got an hour, hour on basketball. basketball. Might be a record, record for, us. for us. Yeah, yeah. I pointed that out too. But apparently, nobody heard it. It was that uh, that was the longest we've ever spent talking nothing but NBA. <clears throat> Even had a call about it. How about that? And, 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 a, and a very good call. call. And a very good call. call. Absolutely. I didn't even I get a chance, chance to ask, to ask our buddy from Atlanta, Atlanta there. there. 
if he was a Falcons fan, because you know, we don't get a lot. The last call that we had from Atlanta didn't go so well. If you remember that one, that's our second call from Atlanta. The first one was the one we're talking about, Bathroom Ben. Um, so yeah, no, uh, it was a good. It was it was it was nice to have a good, coherent, well thought out phone call that was talking about sports. And had a and had a viewpoint, and it, it, sounded, it actually sounded like a sports talk radio show there for a minute. Shocking, <laughs> shocking for us. Um, I, I seem to be having a dry throat issue right now, so whatever the next topic is is all yours. Oh shit! Um, <laughs> wow, I wasn't wasn't quite expecting that. Was I usually, you know, I, I guess I'm not going to end up going into the alien voice here because it seems to happen about an hour after I've connected. Well, I just reconnected, so maybe the trick no, is, you, is that I you already went through. And it, then actually. I go through it. I don't get it. It's, yeah. So it's got to yeah. be something when the show is going through that period right after the normal period ends. I don't get it because it sounds terrible. I mean, I know it sounds. You hear it, so I know it sounds terrible on air. Because when I go back and listen to the shows, I'm like, oh, if I didn't know what I was saying. I wouldn't right. know what I was saying. <laughs> the only thing I have been able to think of over the years is if you could do the show on a different computer than you normally do, is it, is it a computer issue or not? Because <clears throat> it doesn't happen, obviously, when you're calling on the phone. Um, but that's the right. only other thing I can really think of. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember that it happened when we were back in the Skype days. I don't remember if it happened on Skype because I'm actually on Skype, I did this on multiple computers. Where now I do this on my laptop. Where I do this through the call-in, you know, the, the, the high the high fidelity call-in. Right. Quote, unquote. Quote, unquote. High fidelity. Which is high fidelity for an hour or so. And then I go through a three-minute stretch where you can't understand a word I'm saying. Um, no, we took the kids. We took the kids camping. That was fun. I dropped my phone in the lake. That was fun, too. <laughs> It didn't actually didn't okay. drop it. It fell it fell out of my pocket. Uh, as I was trying to help somebody dock a boat, didn't realize I had my phone in my shirt pocket because I was taking pictures of my kids swimming. And oops, there goes my phone into the drink, and oh, it no. spent the better it spent the better part of about five minutes on the bottom before we pulled it out. Oh my gosh! Miraculously, it still works. Get out. It still works. Now, I still ended up buying out my contract at the cell phone company and, and upgrading my phone. But one of the one of the positive things, when because we're on a trade-in program, well, they don't take trade-ins on phones that spent five minutes on the bottom of a lake. Go figure. So <laughs> one of the positives is I bought out the phone, and I got to keep the old one. And goddamn thing still works. <laughs> Thing's indestructible. If it's five minutes underwater, it's and it's it's the old iPhone. It's the six. I have this. I had the six plus. That's not the waterproof one. It's <laughs> definitely not the waterproof one. And it went through a whole period of oh man, this phone's not going to make it type situations. Like the home button stopped working. I'm yeah. getting all these weird like water lines inside the phone and they'd start small and then they'd start getting bigger, right? Yeah. 
And now my home button works again, and all the blurry images behind my screen have mostly gone away, and the thing still works. So I've basically got the world's most expensive iPod right now. <laughs> and my new phone. But it's a it's a seven. I mean, I I've been an iPhone guy. Uh, I, I know I know that they're not going to be sending us any money for talking about their product, even though they have enough of it. So you'd think they they could send us a few. You know, we've plugged enough shit on this show. We should be getting some stuff. Um, but no, I've been an iPhone guy since the iPhone four. So I'm up to the seven. I've had every single one since the four, the five, the six, now the seven, and yeah, I. I been extremely happy with my iPhones. I hated Android. Not four. So not five. Not four. Not, not five. That's right. Seven. So the Android people won't be sending me any money because I thought <laughs> Android was the biggest piece of shit that that's out there. God, I could not stand my Android phone. My wife hated it. I hated it. And we've been we've been Apple people with iPhones uh, ever since. So very satisfied with my new phone. Doesn't have any water in it. So that's positive. Not yet, anyway. And so, in the process of my phone falling into the lake, I'm on a I'm on an old wooden dock. So I'm scrambling, uh, reaching into the water for the phone because I'm watching it sink to the bottom of this lake. And I'm reaching, and it's like it's like right on my fingertips, but you know you can't just quite save it, and then it's gone, and you're just like you have that moment, like oh, oh crap. What just happened? Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the other, you know, the, the person who docked the boat jumped into the water, walked around the dock and felt around and picked up my phone and handed it to me. And I was like, oh, gee, thanks. Yeah, I got my phone's just dripping water. And wouldn't you know it? I have a waterproof case for my old phone that I wasn't using. <laughs> well, all the good that did. Yeah. Well, I wasn't thinking, of, you know, you're never thinking when you go camping that your phone's going to end up at the bottom of a lake. It happens, apparently. It happens a lot, more than you know. And uh, I'm walking back to the, the campsite from the lake, and I notice that, like, my knee, my left knee is just all torn up. And, yeah, I spent the, I spent the, the better part of a week um, with, a, with a bloody, oozing knee. Oh. It was awesome. Yeah, so I had, like, three... Uh, three ripped up areas right below my kneecap all around the knee. So it's like, it was right in that spot where your leg flexes and bends and all your weights on it. So it did not, it wouldn't, it just didn't want to heal because it's always moving. Um, And in a job where I work on my feet, it's not a lot of fun. No, I can imagine. So that was an extremely, extremely horrible, about five minute stretch. (laughs) Otherwise, I had a great time camping, but man, that five-minute <laughs> stretch from the phone sinking to the bottom to me ripping up the shit out of my knee, it just all went south. But I had a great time, really. Really? Sure you did. Uh-huh. Sounds like you had a terrible See? time, though. No, I had a terrible I had a terrible five minutes. Um, right. It was brutally hot. It was really hot that day, and I'm not a heat and humidity guy at all. You know, my I, I, my people weren't made for the heat. Dusty. I was kind of thinking, you know, when you say brutally hot, what are we talking exactly? Because I think was, brutally hot to you is different than other people. 88, 90, you know, okay. right around there. Hot. That's pretty hot. Yeah, no, not 72, you know. Well, 
you're a long, long time uh, person that you you've said you've hated the sun for pretty much your whole adult life. I've, well, I've I've lived in many cool places, so I'm also used to cold weather. You know, I, I've lived in Wisconsin for the last 15 years, and in a stretch there, I lived, you know, and then also in Montana in the mountains for a few years. So, yeah, I'm used to places in the country that just aren't oppressively hot. So I'm not a, I'm not a heat and humidity kind of guy. I, I like, you know, like this morning when I woke up and it was 55 degrees and overcast and gray with a nice, cool, northerly breeze. I loved it. I had the windows open. I'm just sitting there by the window. Just like, yeah, this is for me. Nice, nice, cool, nice, cool weather. You know, I love it. But, but 88 clear, for camping with the kids now. I, I feel like I'm interviewing uh, James Comey now. But to be clear, there was a time before you ever moved to Montana or Wisconsin where you're sitting in your mom's backyard in down in Des Plaines, and I'm sitting there with you, and the sun comes out, and you exclaim, I hate the sun. Did, this did happen. Well, I burn. I get sunburned. I don't tan. I burn. And it's always right. been that way. Just I just really don't, you know, I just don't know what it is, but for whatever reason, the sun just really, really, really likes me. It loves to burn me. And uh, yeah, I've never been. I, I like. I, I don't mind sunny days if I'm in the shade. I'm a shade kind of guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying it's unwarranted or, or or unfair or anything like that. I just wanted to get on record. You you do not like the sun, yeah. so I wanted to know what oppressively hot was yeah. to you. I have to admit, I was yeah. thinking you were going to go like 65 or 70 or something. Yeah. The sun intimidated me and I, and I wished I had been stronger against the sun. Yeah. Well, you'll, you, you had your, well, you wanted me to call call. James Comey there. So I was, right. I was channeling my inner Comey there. Yeah. I, I don't even know if I even want to get into all of that or just, that, that was just part of the stretch a couple of weeks ago where it just seemed like every single day something crazy what was happening in the world. It was that. It was uh, uh, yeah. headless Trump with, uh, with Kathy Griffin uh, uh, with, with, with his bloody head or whatever that she was trying to depict. Yeah. Uh, then it was the – I think before that it was the hashtag Kofifi uh, deal with, with Trump – tweeting out stuff that no one had any idea what the fuck he was talking about. Uh, so that had to, that had Twitter in an uproar for a couple of days. Uh, LeBron's house got spray painted with the N word in between all of that. That was just kind of just something throw in there. Just, oh, by the way, America still hates black people. Just throw that right out there. Uh, it's not all America. I, I understand. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was, you were, you were about a <laughs> second away. <laughs> The, the snapback was coming there. Yeah, the whoa. Painting with a very broad brush, I understand. Very, very broad brush. Not as broad as the brush. That very, it was a Whitlockian moment. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I should avoid anything that makes me sound like that idiot. Um, in between that, uh, over in England, you can't apparently go to a concert without getting blown up now. You can't... Uh, walk outside and pray uh, uh if you're a muslim yeah. without being ran over well, by you, cars yeah do you know what do you know what i call the people who died at an ariana Con grande concert though really the lucky ones yeah!
Now you couldn't have said that immediately in the aftermath of that <laughs> no. happening. That was way out of bounds. But now that, that we've had been, some time, that's right. Would that have been too soon? Way too soon. I'm sure it's still too soon to a lot of people. Uh, but I, I gotta be honest. The first uh, one of the first things that I thought when I heard about that too was similar. Uh, that that many people were that were at an Ariana Grande concert. Like, what? Well, I've never gotten that. I've never gotten the Ariana Grande in thing. England. Right. Not even in America. It, that's that's an international recording superstar now. That's what I it looks did like. Not. I did not realize that Ariana Grande had international appeal. I, me neither. I was completely surprised by that. Um, so yeah, but but she's not for our age group. I guess is uh, the other thing we should point out. We 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 may not get the appeal of her, but we're not exactly her target. That's audience. true. Yeah, and that was that. Yes, and and I I do fully admit that that was out of bounds. But come on, maybe you know it's a joke, people. Come on, it's not like I mean sure it. The- Sure, the people who spray painted LeBron's house were like, "Yeah, it's just a joke. It's you know, just no big deal." Some people find certain things funny, and some people find things not so funny. And then, like almost a mother of all jokes or or uh, ironic happenings is the the state representative that gets uh, sprayed with bullets, Steve Scalise. And my yeah. initial reaction, knowing nothing about him, is, "Oh my God, this is you know not what." Uh, this is where the country is going now, and this is not what anybody should want for anybody, no matter what the political leanings are. Then I find out exactly what Steve Scalise stands for, and I go, "Oh, how about that?" I I don't even I don't even know how to respond to, to knowing that this guy was a uh, one of those crazy gun supporter guys and and you know Second Amendment guy and uh, and, and anti gay anti uh, a, a lot of you know what the what the left would be standing for he's standing way over on the other side of it and and winds up being anti-gay anti-gay marriage and 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 all for the guns so he gets shot and then he gets uh saved from getting even more bullets sprayed into him and possibly killed by the 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 detail the security detail that was there which happened to be led by a black lesbian woman (laughs) and it's like oh this is just too much this feels like something that was written by uh, you know the the mad magazine guys or you know this, or, or the onion this seems like something you would read in the onion this is what's going on in, in our in our world these days it's just so many things coming together and i'm try, i'm really trying hard not to be the guy to look at everybody and and look at everything that happens and goes yeah okay whatever i don't even care about people anymore I'm trying not to be that guy, but it's it's getting harder and harder because it's just you just look at everybody and go, what what are we you know what are we doing? What's what? I, I understand that everything goes along and everything happens for a reason and and nothing is permanent, but it just you just get this feeling and it, and you you have a different perspective than me, so you can speak to how you feel, but I get this perspective or this feeling that. Just whatever happens uh, in the, in this country and around the world, it's just like the beginning of something, a really bad stretch of of, of humanity. It just feels like it's, it started recently, and and it's just going to keep going, and it's not going to get any better anytime soon. I don't really see any reason to think that it's going to get better anytime soon. 
because it just seems like that's where we're going. We're just going to the the angriest plays. We're going to the uh, instant violence plays. Uh, we've got uh, down here in Memphis, we've got the city in a little bit of an uproar because some guy got into a road rage incident with some woman driving. Apparently, they're complete strangers, but this guy's decision to uh, the way he thinks is a good idea to end this road rage incident is to take out a firearm and shoot her two-year-old daughter in the back seat and kill her. And nobody can understand why anyone would decide to do something like that. But at the same time, it, to me, it just feels like, yeah, that's the natural progression. That's where we're going. That's, that's, yeah, that makes, that kind of makes sense to me. You know, you get mad at somebody, shoot, shoot up the car. Why not? That's, that's what, everyone seems to be doing uh, you know either that or running everybody over or planting bombs it's just i know bad things have happened all throughout history but it just feels worse and worse and worse right now and it doesn't feel like it's going to get any better yeah i don't i i honestly i just think you're kind of late to the party i i i think there's a lot of people that are that are waking up to this now are you woke you know, there's there's Hashtag a lot of woke. people that are. That's right. There's a lot of people that are that are feeling this way, but the the, the underlying stuff's been there. It, it's it's been in the, it's been in the political hemisphere. It's been in the the geopolitical one as well. It's been in the economy. You know, we 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 we've never really completely escaped 2008. Everyone keeps waiting for the other shoe to drop. I mean, I work in a retail sector, in the retail sector, where you're just you're where you're watching uh, retailer after retailer just wither and die. Malls closing around the country, you know. So you're being told by the news, and and I've come to the realization that whatever they tell you on the news, just believe the opposite, because <laughs> we have sort of gone down this path we 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 make we we, we want to demonize and make fun of russia for, for some reason it's like it's russia we just, let's, let's just blame russia for everything it's all the russians everything that's happened in this country now we can just blame on vladimir putin and the russians um but i love how every time they talk about russia and there's a, a news story or anything that comes out of russia our media is very quick to call it state-run media well what the hell do you think we have we have corporately controlled media that's 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 you know got their 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 fist up the ass of politicians to the elbow and they but they mock you know other countries media because it's quote unquote state run well it's all we have is a you know we've talked about this many times on our show with the you know, the corporate interests, you know, where you have all the, like these four or five guys that own basically like 80% of all the news that's that's produced in this country. Um, like when we talk about the race narratives that they put out there, we're like, well, wait a minute, this is all over the news. Well, who runs the news? Who's putting this on the news? 80-year-old white guys. So there, there's an agenda that's being driven um, I don't know if it's just Trump being elected that's just sort of like made a lot of people go, oh, everything's not great. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Um, I've, I've been of that opinion that it's been this way for a while. I don't think anything has really 
change. It's not like the the, the the terrorism or the political discourse or any of that is 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 anything new. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't think it's been on an upward trajectory for as long as I can remember. I mean, this goes back nine eleven time. I mean, that that was seven sixteen. Well, be sixteen years um, coming up. I don't think things are any better now than they were then. So, you know, I think you can point yourself almost all the way back to to that time frame and, you know, the war on terror and perpetual war and the Great Recession. Nothing's been getting better um, in that entire time frame. So I think this is just the natural progression and people are starting to pick up on it. it I'd rather have people who are aware of it um, than people who think everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. <laughs> it just it does seem angrier to me since the the Trump election. It's but... it's it's angrier from the left. I think the left has become almost radically violent. I, that that is that is clear. I mean the, the 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 losing side has not taken their losing very well. <laughs> um, so that is clear. It's in the media. I mean the the amount of hatred that comes from mass media news, late night TV and all that, it, that's definitely palpable. I, mean, I consider myself fairly independent when I notice it. That's bad. That's bad. I do wish I, I that one side or the other could be more transparent because I, I feel like I can't get to the bottom of, of anything because everyone's got so hard set agendas. They can't, possibly consider any outcome other than their side being correct and i'd feel like i'm kind sure. of stuck in the middle waiting for the actual truth to be told but i don't know who's there right. to actually tell that truth and you know outside of the hot button social issues outside of what the the handful of them over the last 10 well since you know since bush not not original bush but w, w. was president You've had this about the same every few years, hot button topic issues. Oh, it's the gay marriage. Now it's like the transgender bathroom stuff. Outside of the hot button polarizing type stuff, they agree on everything. If anybody out there actually thinks that this country would be different right now today if Hillary Clinton was president, is an idiot. It, we'd be in the same exact situation Right now, because she actually she was a bigger warmonger on the on the trail than Trump was, so we'd we'd be in this for more war, for sure. Um, which it seems like we're already on that path towards, anyways. We got the we got shit bad shit going down in Syria. We're gonna end up we're gonna end up shooting at the Russians, or they're gonna end up shooting at us over something like that. There's bad things going on, and we've got North Korea. You, you know, they're sending people to us, and then the next day they're dead. Um, there's all kinds of fun stuff going on right now out there and fun. I, I don't mean fun in a yeah. literal way. So, yeah, I, it's – but it's it's that hot-button type stuff, the stuff that can get all the people frothing at the mouth that ultimately in the grand scheme of life means absolutely nothing, like caring about which bathroom you use. No That's one's going to care what bathroom you're using when you're shitting your pants. Because the bombs are falling or the economy dropped. Because you'll be making your own bathroom when the stock market drops 14,000 points, you know, or some ridiculous thing like that. Or or you've got 
country's getting nuked or war that's going to start. No one's going to care if there's dudes in the ladies' room. I'll tell you that. But that's the kind of hot-button crap they talk about on, on the news. That's what the, that's because that's the stuff they know that can get people in a tizzy about and get them out to the get them out to the voting booth. Yeah, and then you just keep sure pumping the everything is. Yeah, and you and you keep pumping the everything is awesome on all the other stuff, you know, things like that. Because all, all you know, and all the rest of that stuff is is just ridiculous. I mean, they they've they've beat us over the head with this whole Trump Russia thing for for so long and then basically you get everybody come out in the last week and go yeah there's no proof of anything yeah we we do all along there was no proof oh well thanks for telling us now well that's kind of what now we're gonna go but now we're gonna go after trump for obstructing justice for the thing that he didn't do wrong okay that's what i mean i get it the the left is telling me that there's this Russian interfering yeah. with our election thing that nobody yeah. can get proof on, and they're right. saying that Trump and, and his people are the bad guys because they won't let us investigate and get that proof. And then you got the right telling me that there's no, there's nothing that happened, so that there's nothing to investigate. But that's why they're not letting anyone investigate because there's nothing there. And, and I'm like, I'm just waiting for one side or the other to tell me the actual truth of what's going on and exactly. i just feel like i'm waiting for for nothing yeah it's the bread and circuses right i mean it's it's the it's the diversion it's the thing that keeps us all looking one way it's like i always told you it's like when the big news story hits it's usually the little news story the one that doesn't get reported that you got to watch out for it's all that stuff that they sneak in you know like well, all of a sudden, oh hey, we... there was a there was a bombing over in London. Let's pass six laws that they'll never notice. Yeah, that's how I felt with the whole Kofifi uh, coverage, and I'm like, oh. um, we, we got a lot more things to worry about than than hashtag Kofifi, yeah. and <laughs> I really don't know why we're paying so much attention to that. My favorite flavor of Kofifi, by the way, is is, is roasted hazelnut. Just for the record. Uh, just the silliest stuff that, that we pay attention yeah. to. Uh, Kathy Griffin with a bloody trumpet. Who the fuck cares, man? Jeez. There's so right. many actual things to worry about. There's actual heads being blown off out here that we don't care about. What we care about, Kathy Griffin holding a de- the depiction of a, of a bloody head. And now that's just making people so angry. Like the people, the kids that are starving and, and dying, whose heads are, are falling off in the streets. Why don't you care about those heads instead of the, of a fake head that you care about so much? Why don't you care about real people? You know, but but that's where we are right now. Yeah. So that's what's been going on in the world in a nutshell. So no, I I I, pre- I appreciate what you're saying about things don't feel right. You know, there's like that unsettled feeling. Like, I mean, I, I really, truly feel like everyone has gotten to this point. I know what you're describing is where you're actually at that point now where you're just waiting for something bad to happen. Like, it's going to happen. You don't know what. You don't know where. Something bad is just going to happen. It's sort of got that. You've got that almost like fatalistic view. Problem is, is even if you didn't have that view, guess what? Something bad's going to happen <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. That's just nature. It's human nature that, that that you can't stop it. I mean, you think about just in our lifetimes, a lot of bad shit's happened. Just in our lifetimes. 
That's true. You know, but we didn't have. Could you imagine all the, the the really bad crap that went down when we were younger? The wars, and you know, you had like the, like Oklahoma City and the terrorism and all this stuff. And if there had been Facebook, and I, I still, you know, the whole social media thing, I always rail against that because it just brings out the bad in everybody, you know. Um. But imagine, you know, we, we didn't have that. So it, so it, everything felt smaller scale. Now you get the littlest stupid thing, like your Kofifi or whatever it is, and it turns into a huge thing. And it's dumb, but everybody makes it into a deal now. Because it's, trend- it's trending on Twitter. <laughs> and, and that means what? It's trending on Twitter, you know, or, and what? Or yeah, or or you know, there's a bombing in London, so you know you can show your support by putting a filter over your picture on Facebook. You can put a little rainbow filter over your picture on Facebook because that means that you're doing something. Hashtag thoughts and prayers. What what you've what have you really done other than put a rainbow filter over your picture on Facebook? You've let everybody know how much you really care by hashtag or, thoughts and prayers. Or you've let some, or, or you've given some people that, or, or you're getting some sideways glances too. You, you, you know, or some people <laughs> might be like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. You've opened up your dating horizons. <laughs> there are still people on Facebook that have the French filter. Come on, people. From way back when those attacks were happening. Come on. Get with the they're times. Still, you got to switch it they're, up. They're still thinking about France. Their hearts are still with France. <laughs> they're still Boston strong. That too. Anywhere where, where we can not pay attention to the, the brown people getting uh, barred and exploded and all that. We're all for all of that. French, England, Boston strong, wherever. That's all right. good. Yeah. It's funny. Not funny. Not funny. It's ironic. I was looking this up a few months ago because this is what I do. And we've talked about it a lot on our show when we talk about police shootings, right? Of no particular race. Because you're not hearing about this much at all anymore other than like pre-existing ones that are like going to trial. But, you know, remember what a it was like this epidemic last year. And it was like one point, like four or five months into the year, we'd had almost the exact same number of pol- of police shootings as we'd had last year. To the same dates, almost to the almost to the number. I mean, it, it was like you added them up, and you're like, I'm just doing the math in my head. It's like those numbers are virtually identical so from like 2016 to 2017. They were the almost exact same. Look, man, but you're not you hearing. Can't expect it. the media to cover hashtag Kofifi and keep up with the police shooting at the same time. All right, we, right. we can't can't do everything at once. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Keep up know, with, it's just, I like to. You know, how many I like to bloody his things out. Griffin's holding in her hand, and 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 all of that, and you know, it's just hard to keep up with all of that at the same time. Yeah, we threw that in this week as well. Uh, another uh, police uh, shooter that got acquitted, and you know, Philando Castile dies because he was driving with a broken tail light or something, and pulled over and, and blasted full of holes and another acquittal and just add him to the list. It's, it's, it's a very long list. 
just and trying to break his other tail light. They're just trying to break the other tail light for him. And, and they missed the tail light. And he got light in the and way. And wound up shooting his body up. Um, and and then Bill Cosby gets acquitted, and at that point, I'm about ready to quit society altogether, because I'm like, really? And he didn't get acquitted, I'm sorry, it was a mistrial, uh, but it's basically the same circumstance that he gets off, uh, literally and figuratively, and and I'm just like, really? Come on, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much more proof that you needed that that guy was uh, a bad person yeah. doing all these things. How, how, many, how many more women have to come forward? I think it's been yeah. 60? Is that not enough to convince wow. you? Oh, they were all did making you notice, it up. All 60 of them. Did you notice that in all the coverage they went with deadlocked or they couldn't come to a decision and nobody said hung jury because I don't think they wanted to open themselves up to the jokes? Hey, hey! You know, uh, you know what would happen if, if this were uh, a Law & Order SVU episode? You know. He'd get, he'd, he'd get shot walking out of the courtroom. That's exactly what would happen. One of his uh, <laughs> accusers would meet him on the courtroom steps as he's giving the speech about how justice yeah. has finally been served because he can walk free and they never had any yep. real proof on him. And one of those women would be Beverly Johnson would tear through the crowd with a with a sawed off and just completely open his ass up yep. on the stairs. And then they go to executive producer Dick Wolf and then yep. they fade to black. I hate to correct you on that, but it would be the father of one of the accusers. The the one ah. that was sitting there, the one that was sitting there steaming in the courtroom, making all the like constipation faces and the big crazy eyes every time they Yep. Yeah. yeah the one who like yeah. the the one who's the one who stood up and, and hurriedly walked out of the courtroom when they read the verdict and they're all hugging would be the one that mm -hmm. would be standing there holding the gun at the end. So that, that's a, that's a good one. It would either be him or it would be the mousy quietest of the of the accused who never had oh, the guts yeah. to testify yeah. and had to right. keep getting coached and talked to by by Olivia Benson. Come on, I know this is difficult, <laughs> but you have to think of the other victims. If you don't testify, then they all will not get justice. It's that one, the one with the, the single tear. Uh, as she's contemplating testifying, and, and she finally gets up to the stand and, and makes her nervous, uh, quavering voice testif uh, testi testimony, and he finally and, and they still have a, a deadlocked hung jury, quote unquote. Uh, she's going to be the one to pull out the gun uh, w with tears in her eyes as she says, "This is the justice for all of us women, and you're putting pops." And then she's the one that opens them up. Yeah, it's one of those two. It's either the quietest one or the father of one of the victims. You're right. It's pretty sad though that as soon as you said, you know what would happen if this was Law and Order, I'm like, "Yep, he's Swiss cheese." It, 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 sorry, it's just the way. Yeah, that's a lot. And that's not just SVU. That goes back to even original, like, OG Law and Order. That's right. <laughs> oh, with, uh, with with my guy. Uh, nobody puts baby in the corner. Poor Jerry Orbach. That's right. <laughs> Love that guy. Oh, man. Uh, you were talking about uh, social media making things so much more difficult nowadays uh, than they would be in the old days. And when this particular story broke, I kept hearing that conversation on social media or on uh, sports talk radio about 
social media today, making this possible, making this uh, something that would not have happened in the old days if they had social media in the in the eighties with Jordan's Bulls, if they had it uh, with with some of these other major sports teams that had this kind of marital drama going on, but they didn't have Twitter and they didn't have uh, Snapchat and all that. But because we have Instagram and we have Twitter and we have Snapchat, we have Addison Russell of the Chicago Cubs having marital issues all over the internet for everybody to see. And finally making himself, I don't know how aware you are of the exact details of this, but finally becoming the the person I, I, I talked to you about how, this Cubs team, this, this burgeoning dynasty, the, the reigning world champions, they're so easy to like because they're so talented, they're so clean cut, and they just get the job done on the field and there's nothing to dislike about this team. And I'm a White Sox fan, so I'm looking for something to dislike about the Cubs team, but I couldn't find anything. I really admired that that Cubs team, the way they did things. And now finally, here's somebody, Addison Russell becomes the first sort of dislikable or hateable part of the Chicago Cubs franchise. What happened for those of you not in the know was uh, this is a couple of weeks ago where uh, June 8th, uh, I believe this happened uh, the morning of June 8th or this came to light the morning of June 8th and may have happened the night before, but uh, Addison Russell's wife, Melissa goes on Instagram in in a post that has since, of course, been deleted because what says I'm really honest and happy about my life more than posting things on social media and then deleting them when when the heat gets hot. But uh, Addison Russell's wife, Melissa, goes on Instagram with a picture of herself in a one piece in the water. And the caption she wrote for that piece was or for that picture was, Uh, being free to be able to make your own choices beats being cheated on, lied to, and disrespected any day. Hashtag here's to new beginnings. Hashtag only gets better from here. Whew. And that's not the worst part of it. That's not the hateable part of it. She didn't just change her uh, status to single or any of that either. I mean, she she, she went double barreled right there. Yeah, that's not a, a, a an act that you did by accident. That's not so. She put some thought into that one, and uh, so the upshot being, if you believe her that Addison Russell is a bad guy for cheating on her and lying to her and stuff like that, that's not the worst part. The worst part then comes when uh, she gets some stuff said to her by you know fanboys and people who accuse her of being hateful and trying to break up the the Cubs and this that and the other, and a friend of hers comes back, what's her name, Carly Reed, uh, came back and answered one of those people that were giving some some hate back to Melissa Russell. And Carly Reed write, writes, uh, and of course this post has been deleted as well, uh, Carly Reed wrote, hateful is cheating on your wife mentally and physically abusing her. Melissa didn't want that out, but I'll say it, he hit her in front of whoever Aiden and Mila is. Uh, but let's worry about Melissa being hateful. She was loyal, forgiving, and kind, and still is, quote, unquote. Yeah, how messy is that? Just the whole personal life splayed out there for the world to see, 
And now Addison Russell is going to have to go through. I don't know how much of this actually is going to stick to him because so far nothing's happened. The MLB hasn't suspended him or anything. The Cubs sat him down for a few games, but he's come back and hit a bunch of homers since then. So everything's obviously okay in their world. Uh, but but what were your thoughts when you first uh, heard this story come out or were you aware of any of this at all? Yeah, I only caught a little bit of this, sort of like on the periphery of some stuff. I, so it didn't really register too big with me. I mean, it wasn't like overall, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, oh, this is the end or anything like that. So I wasn't thinking in baseball terms. I was like, y- you're going to, I guess you're just going to kind of get stuff like this sometimes. I, I hate to say it, but it's for the record. I, I, I read down the, in the article, Aiden is yeah. their child. Uh, Mila is Addison Russell's daughter from a previous relationship. Yeah. So you've got, so you've got kids involved. You've got the, the, yeah, oh, man, sports wives have really become interesting. Have, haven't they in general? Social get, media. That's where we seem the, to get the, all, the bane of your existence. You get, yeah, because you, everyone, because you can gain this instant popularity and instant notoriety. So, okay, so Addis, Addison Russell does not have the uh, greatest home life, apparently, and uh, the most stable of relationships. And maybe, maybe, or maybe not, yeah, maybe, or maybe not that he's the 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 the, the best uh, treater of of women. Am I supposed to be shocked by this? Like, that's the thing. It's it, there's it's so not shocking any of this right. that it's so it's I hate to say it, but be, because of the barrage of this in the news cycle, you just sort of become like desensitized to it. You wouldn't hear about stuff like this in the past, and now you hear about it all the time, and it's just. It's just a constant barrage, uh, and you know it's like, your sports is supposed to be your distraction, and and when it when when that gets too real, it, it starts to become all the human interest crap, and it starts to become all this other stuff, and this is just what we get, and you know, and it's like you just want your three hours of, of watching some baseball and you, you just, you know that the people that play the game, they have problems too. You don't, you know, you don't go to a, a factory and give a crap about any of this, right? The, the guy who's making steel or the guy who's pumping gas, or, you know, all of these people, all these people, they do these things. There's, this isn't just a sports thing. Right, and the it's guy who it, it's so my underwear maybe beating his wife too. That's true. Yeah, so it's it it unfortunately is is part of the way things are, but I think it's what makes people turned off to to sports in general at times, because the, when when you start getting that all over your distractions and the things that you do to to take you out of every day and for a lot of people for sports that's their their fandom is you know that's your that's your escape that's your you know that's what you do you know you you know and people will lock themselves away and watch the game and that's that's what they want and the like i don't know if that's what 
you want to have all of a sudden sprinkle. I don't, I don't think you want your life or someone else's life or any of that sprinkled back into your, your outlet. And I think that's just what it's become. So yeah, did they do bad things? Maybe nothing's really been set. Like you said, he hasn't been, he hasn't been suspended. There's no investigation. The, the posts have been deleted. So do, do we know if it's true? Do we know if it's just drama? We don't know. I prefer my sports without the drama. It's interesting what you said, that you'd think maybe some sports uh, popularity is diminished because of some of this coverage, uh, that, that we know more about the guys that uh, than we used to know, and that yeah. so many people maybe don't want to know some of this stuff. That makes me think about Michael Jordan and how less popular would he have possibly been if people oh, knew oh, wow. in the yeah. 90s what kind of guy he really was. If they knew that he was punching teammates in practice, if they knew that he was fucking every yeah. hose bag that he came across in the streets, uh, his popularity would have been diminished somewhat, but to what extent, I don't exactly know. Yeah. But it's definitely not the same today. It's definitely a different world today than it was back then. And there's so many other sports stars who were heroes that I, I can't even name their names because those stories aren't as widely known as, as the Jordan stories. But there's so many other so, so-called heroes, quote-unquote heroes, that we don't know some of the stuff that they did, but if we did, they wouldn't be heroes anymore. Uh, so yeah, that's something to think about. I, I didn't really think of it in that direction is it something that hurts sports in in general hurts the popularity of sports in general that we now are able to know so much more about these guys than we than we used to know we now know that because of social media we now know that journeyman catcher Derek Norris uh, had a history of, of abusing his ex-fiance uh, before they broke up do we really need to know that does that enhance our viewing does that distract us do we now when we see uh derek norris come to bed do we think of the the ex-fiance and now that sort of ruins our escape as you said uh that that may be that, that's something that's something to really think about but i i know one thing i can't come down as hard on addison russell even if, the, if all these things are true and i would tend to believe something like that because I, in general, I don't think there's got to be there's got yeah there's got to be there's got to be something there. I mean, it can't all be fake. But the thing Usually that makes me not well, I, I can't somewhere come in the down as hard on him as as I want to because I'm the guy I'm this show that says over and over again I don't care if the football player murdered somebody if he can help your team win pick him up draft him put him on your team just win that's all that's all I care about I want the guys to win that are able to win. It, and I don't care what they do off the field. So as much as I want to to hate Addison Russell and, and think about that when he comes to bat, I have to be honest with myself, and I have to admit, I cut him for my fantasy team before I found out about this stuff because he was struggling so much. And when he came back and started hitting home runs, I wasn't worrying about did he actually hit his wife. I was worrying about, damn it, somebody picked him up off the free agent wire before I could get him back because I just wanted to win because that's what that's what I cared about. I didn't care about his domestic violence issues. So I I certainly can't hate him too much for for stuff like that. Yeah, everyone has issues. I mean, you know, and and that's where, you know, it's always so tough. You're going to, you know, stand in judgment. I obviously get the issues. We talked about that with like Aaron Hernandez. Hey, okay. Yeah, you're out there participating in murder and being a 
you know, kind of like a low rent crime lord. Okay, I get it. You, you probably should be some out there doing your things. Those are some <laughs> issues, but like the, the marital stuff, the weed guys. You know, we talk about this. You know, we talked. We even even all the 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 fear when with Michael Sam when he when he came out. You know, or or the stuff yeah. with uh, or the stuff with Manti Teo. You know, which I believe I called. Uh, it was all <laughs> over that one. You heard it here first, folks. Um, all of that was to us. We we always sort of went back to the, the okay. So, is he any good? Can play. the guy play? Nobody's gonna nobody's gonna care if you're gay or if you smoke the weed or if you do any of that stuff. If you're good at what you do, so you and can there you play go. If you're gay. Yes. That's just, okay, there's 1,600 guys the in the league right now. Statistically, statistically, there's some gays already in there. 50. There's been you gays already. 50 of them, roughly statistically. What is it, like 2 3% statistically? Could be higher or lower, but let's just say it's 3% statistically. That's 50 guys. 50. It's a lot of dudes that got rings that, that were gay the whole time. Didn't yeah. seem to hurt their teams, and nobody cared. Either you didn't know, or you knew, and you didn't care. Exactly. Yeah, I'm with you there. So, so yeah, so okay, so Addison Russell's got issues. Great, he's just like the rest of us. So what, yeah. he's, what's, he, what's he supposed to get? What he can't go to work? Guy can't go. Guy can't go do his job because he's got issues. No, everybody's yeah. I, Everybody's got issues. Everybody goes to work, lives their lives. Nobody's perfect. He's not exactly like all of us. I haven't hit my wife, but but no, I understand have I. what you're saying. No, you know what I mean. You know. Yeah. Uh, so what else have we got in our last four minutes? I don't know. It's been it's been spirited. It's, you know, it's what happens. We take a few weeks off. Good, yeah. A lot of stuff we still didn't even get to, and we and we could still get we're, to. We're so almost, a lot of, you know, we're we're almost into July. That's amazing. July is just I around know. the corner. We're almost at. Right, we got the All Star breaks going to be coming up. We got all sorts of all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, you know, we're going to be back talking football soon. Holy crap! Yeah, what uh, do you have any uh, thoughts on the baseball season? Thus far, as we're coming up on the halfway point, uh, I was I was looking at the standings uh, earlier today, and can't believe what the what the Astros are doing. They're just beating the fuck out of everybody. Yeah, and I think we kind of hinted at that a little bit because we both liked them, um, and you know, and I know I had said that when I was predicting Cubs Red Sox, there was a part of me that was thinking Cubs Astros for the World Series. I didn't want to sound like I was like hedging my bets a little, but I was like there was that sort of like the narrative versus what I think that I could see. And boy, don't the Astros remind you of that Cubs team of two years ago. Just a bunch of young guys putting it all together. Bunch of, yeah, but I, I, I do worry for long-term prospects for that team because I don't think they can pitch their way to a title yet. They need more pitching. So that's, that's, that's a struggle. But what about like the team? Like what about like the Colorados and the Arizona? I mean, You've got three teams that are just running away with 
the division and both wildcard spots right now in the National League. And that's all coming out of the West. And we did not see that coming. No, we didn't. But there's still a lot of season left. I get so that. Some of those but teams are going to fall teams off. Are, yeah, those three are playing incredible baseball right now. And you've got the Cubs. I love it that the Cubs are just kind of just like lingering around 500. And they're like a game, game and a half out of first. And they're just kind of sitting there. And you just kind of know that at some point they're either going to make that move because I think they need to get themselves a legitimate leadoff man, Anthony Rizzo. Love what he's doing right now. <laughs> but Anthony Rizzo is not a legitimate leadoff man. You've just got that feeling like all it's going to take for the Cubs to win that division is going to be like a 15 out of 20 stretch to put that division to bed. I just don't know when that's going to come. And man, has their starting pitching been brutal? They give up a first, they give up runs in the first inning every game. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with some of those starters. They're just no. not playing, not pitching the way they're supposed to. Yeah, but uh, on the positive side for the Cubs, I got to say, and I don't know if we talked about it a lot, but man, Wade Davis, he's good. He's not bad. I'm sure Maybe Joe Madden is much. They're Much not missing anything in the over, over uh, Mr. Rondone out there, uh, Hector Rondone. Yeah, yeah. yeah but uh, yeah, I'm not. We can we can we can get a little deeper into the baseball season. I think before we start, you know, worrying too much about the Cubs or any or or getting too high on any of these teams. But no, I'm with you. The Astros, they look really good. Yes, yes they do. He is Jay. I am Dre. This has been Kings of Non Sequitur, the off-season version of a much less detailed podcast. We will be back in probably a couple of weeks with yet another spirited show. Who knows what we'll get into. Talk to you then. Have a good one. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.